many of you know Brother Addison, and we remember he was a little fellow when I first came to Hillcrest, seeing how God has worked in his life. He came through our youth ministry, and now he's gone and gotten married and has a, a beautiful, beautiful little girl, and uh, he feels that God has placed a calling upon his life, and I know that uh, you're excited about that, and we should be excited about that. It's always exciting when God calls somebody up from the family, amen? And Addison's part of our family, and I know God is going to, uh, and God's been using him, but I know God's going to continue to use him. So uh, he's going to come and preach to us, and I want him to know, I love you, brother. Appreciate it. I love you. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. All right. Oh, y'all need to stop. Hey, glory to God. Glory to God. If you've got your Bible, which I hope you do, you're here on a Wednesday night service, please uh, join me in opening up to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, that's where we're going to be tonight as we uh, dive in. I'll go ahead and tell you the title of my message is When We Say Impossible. When We Say Impossible. And tonight we're going to talk about uh, doubting God a little bit and... Uh, as I was studying this, I, of course you all are familiar with this, but Luke being the physician that he was, it's uh, no surprise here that he opens up the gospel with two stories of birth. And one, obviously, uh, we're very familiar with, with uh, the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the other, uh, which I want to focus on tonight, uh, describes the birth of John the Baptist. So, for the sake of... Uh, getting the big picture here, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in Luke chapter 1, and uh, we're going to be verses 5 through 20. And I want to read the entire thing, uh, like I said, just to get the big picture, and then we'll, we'll come back in and, and focus in on a, on a couple of things. So Luke chapter 1, verse 5, this is what it says. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the course of Abia and his wife of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God. Keep that in mind. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they, were, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of the course, verse 9, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Verse 12, and when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him in verse 13, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt, in verse 14, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Verse 17, And he shall go before him in the spirit 
and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the, to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. In verse 18, And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. He, he repeats that there. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these, that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. I know we just took a time of prayer, but please, if you'll pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray right now that you just come down on this place. Lord, I know we have a Wednesday night crowd here. Lord, I know it's the faithful, but I pray right now, Lord, that you would just come down on this place and sit amongst us, Lord, and speak to us. Help us, Lord. Help us not to doubt you. Lord, I pray right now that you would just empty me and fill me up with you, Lord, so that, so that it's not Addison up here on this stage, Lord, but that it's all you. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And Lord, it's all your glory. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. So the first thing I would like for us to do is I want us to understand who we're talking about here. Okay? Obviously, we got uh, Zacharias here, and, and, and we know that he is a priest. We know that his name literally means Jehovah has remembered. I wish I had a cool name like that. I don't. But Jehovah has remembered. And then we also see Elizabeth here. She is a daughter of Aaron, which also means that she comes from a priestly family line as well. And her name means God is my oath. And if you look back at verse 6 with me, this is what it says. And they were both, right? They were both righteous before God. Okay? They were both righteous before God. They only had one real sorrow, and that was the fact that they had no child. They had no family. It was a constant matter of prayer. Now, why do I want us to understand who we're looking at here? I want us to understand that because I feel like sometimes we think a Wednesday night crowd, you know, why is he, why is he preaching a message about doubting God to a Wednesday night crowd? Like, we're the, we're the faithful ones, right? But here we see a clear example of uh, two individuals that were both righteous before God, and, and yet Zacharias here is going to doubt God. We're going to see that. See, I feel like, if I can just be completely honest, and this is not in my notes, but if I can be completely honest with you, I think sometimes we come to church on Wednesday night just to check that box off of our weekly routine. We, we come to church because we've always done it, and we just kind of come in here and we sit in our pews, and, 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 and it really... It just means nothing to us other than our weekly routine. Hey, let me tell you something. Every time I walk in the doors, I want God to speak to me. I don't ever want to walk in this church and leave and not have God speak to me in some manner. Something. I want Him to tell me something. Man, if you're not coming in here with that same hunger, then something's wrong. So I want you to understand tonight, as a Wednesday night crowd, I understand you're a Wednesday night crowd. But I also want you to understand you can still doubt God. You can still doubt God. And, and when we doubt God, what we're really doing when we doubt God 
is we're putting limitation on God's capabilities. When we doubt God, we are putting a limitation on what God is capable of doing. Let's go, let's go back to the text for just a second, if you don't mind. Verses. Brother Mike said I had an hour and a half. Is that right? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, let's, go, let's go back to the text, if you don't mind. And I want to look back on, on verses 18 through 20 with me here. Okay, you all, you all know the story. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And then verse 20, And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words. He says right there, Gabriel tells him, Because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. Zacharias asked for a sign very similar to, to what Abraham did over in Genesis 15.8. Very, very similar there. He, he wants a sign. Man, we're the same way. We, wanna, we want a sign on everything. We, want, we don't want to just take that step. We want God to, to give us a little nudge first, right? Yep. So he, he, he wants that sign. And here's essentially what he does. God gives him this plan, and he looks at himself, and he looks at him, his wife, and he says, it's impossible. He says, it's impossible. He says, there's no way. He, just, he doubts God because he believes that this is actually impossible. That's easy to do. It's, it's easy, it's easy for, for God to, to give us an outline, give us a plan, and, and for us to to say, mm, I don't know about that. The last 12 months of my life, I've lived that every day, pretty much. I, I, I have lived that every day. I have, uh, I, I've said, God, you want me to do what? You, why? Why me? You know? And, 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 and time after time after time, God would just say, you know what, Addison, just... Put your spiritual seatbelt on and just hold on, okay? And, and, as long as, and as long as I let God have control, man, it's been 100 miles an hour ever since. I haven't stopped. Praise the Lord. Amen. But, but it's easy to get in that, that mood where you just say, mm, God, you really want me to do that? You really want me to talk to that person? You really want me to, to witness to them? So a couple things, a couple things I want us to look at when we say, when we say impossible. The first thing is through impossible times. Look back in verse 5 at the very beginning. It says, there was in the days of Herod, in the days of Herod, it would have seemed like nearly an impossible time to have raised a child. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about John the Baptist here, okay? It would have seemed like an impossible time to raise a child during the, during the, um, the reign of, of Herod here. And during this time in, in the text here, there was no prophetic word from God for 400 years going back to Malachi chapter 4. And so, so there was a little bit of a, 
um, a spiritual slump that I guess you could say was taking place. And we all know about Herod. He was a tyrant, right? We all know that um, he had at least nine wives and he had several members of his own family, uh, including a wife executed. But if you go back and, and, and we won't for time's sake, but if you go back to Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, he gave an order to have all male children around Bethlehem, two and under, put to death. Now, we all know that that was, that was a, 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 a straightforward plot to kill Jesus, okay? I mean, it was, there was no hiding it with Herod. I mean, he was blunt on what his, his motive was there. And it was to, to attempt to kill Jesus. So he put uh, a, a, group to, a group there. He bundled it into a group and said, well, just kill, because he couldn't identify, just kill all the young males around that area. Well, this same group, John the Baptist, would have fell into that same exact group. So it would have been difficult to have a child knowing that every day people are looking to kill, okay, kill a criteria of people that your child just happens to fit. It would have seemed to be an impossible time. Man, I, I, I look around at the world we live in, and I can't even hardly turn on the news anymore. It just depresses me so much. But I'll be honest with you, church. I look around at the world we live in, and, and it makes me fearful as a parent. It really does. It makes me fearful as a parent to know the world that my child is going to have to live in. And, I mean, we've seen examples of that. I mean, you, you, just, you just don't know. There's just so much unknown... And that's where we have to trust God. That's where we have to trust God. But it is extremely fearful. I mean, you start, you know, your mind starts, starts, and I'm not going to chase a rabbit here, don't worry. But you start thinking about it. And it's not just necessarily all the bad things. I think about like, man, are there going to be any godly Christian men around for my, for my daughter to marry? You know? I mean, I start thinking about things like that. And it's It's fearful. It's fearful to think about the world, the, 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 you know, what's high school going to be like by the time she gets there, you know? Um, just what's the workplace going to look like? What's home life going to look like by the time she gets there? So it's incredibly, it's incredibly fearful. But, and, and to be honest with you, at times it seems impossible, it seems impossible to be a godly parent in such a corrupt world. You here's what I notice about believers, okay? And I'm not, I'm not saying all of us, but the world is so corrupt that, man, we just walk around like we're defeated. We, a lot of us do. A lot of us do. We walk, around, we walk around like, you know what? There's no hope. So I, why, do I, why do I need to try to, to do something? There, there's, no, there's no hope. We act as if it's a lost cause. Say, well, am I? I'm one person. Can I really make a difference? Absolutely, you can. You can, no doubt about it. But I'm just, I'm just saying, we, we sometimes it's easy to get caught up in, man. I just, I just don't know how I'm going to do it. It seems like an impossible time. Let me tell you something. It seems like an impossible time right now to be a godly parent. Just being honest with you, it's tough. It's going to be 
far the t- you think getting up here and speaking in front of you is tough. Being a godly parent is going to be way tougher than that. Okay? But here's the thing, guys. The world's been bad. Honestly, there's not a lot that goes on in our... I mean, now we have, we have uh, forms of technology and things that we learn about it at, at a crazy speed now. And we hear about it more because of television and things. But the world's been bad. There's not a lot that, that goes on. Now, there's some things, but there's not a lot that goes on in our world that's not in this Bible. So, so why is that an excuse for us? Why is that an excuse? We say, well, we just, we just can't do it. No. So sometimes it's going to seem like an impossible time. And it would have here for Zacharias. He would have said, man, I'm about to have a young boy, and, and they're out here every day trying to kill young boys. It would have seemed like an impossible time. Let me tell you something. God's time is always the right time. Period. God's time is always the right time. He knew the right time I needed to be a father, spiritually. He, I mean, his time is always the right time. So the second thing I want us to look at is... Impossible circumstances. When we say impossible, sometimes it's because of time, and then sometimes it's because of circumstances. Look back at verse 18. We, we hinted on this a little bit, but he, he asked for a sign, and he doubts God. I mean, it's black and white. It's right there. Whereby shall I know this? He doubts God. God comes to him with this plan and, and, and this promise of a son. And he doubts God. Even though the entire plan was laid out for him. If you look uh, in verse 13, he says, hey, Gabriel tells him, hey, you're going to have a son and you're going to call his name John. I mean, the plan was very specific. There was no, there was no veering from it here, okay? Verse 13, you're going to have a son, you're going to call his name John. Verse 14, many will rejoice at his birth. Verse 15, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Verse 15, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Verse 16, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord. Isn't that all you want as a parent? Yeah. I mean, man, that, that's a pretty good list right there. If God said, hey, Addison, you're going to have a son, and, th- and he lays out all this that's going to happen right here, I'm thinking, Shoo, hallelujah. Man, I, you know, I mean, that's as a parent... It doesn't get much better than that. So, I mean, just, man, just over that list, many will rejoice at his birth. Well, we do that now with the, you know, our, we, we, everybody floods to the hospital. But to be great in the sight of the Lord and to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to turn many of the children to the Lord, that's, that's all you could want. That's it. Amen. We sometimes say, Impossible circumstances. Sometimes we doubt God because it seems like impossible circumstances. Church, can I, can I share with you how God put this sermon on my heart tonight? Good. Thank you. Appreciate that. So, I was asked to preach. And I was excited. And, you know, everybody's been asking me all day, you nervous? You nervous? You nervous? Let me tell you something. When you take 80 youth 
to Pigeon Forge and back, all in the same hotel. You don't get nervous about much more after that, okay? I, I don't got my nervous all out of me, okay? My nervous is all gone. So, but, it, but, uh, but I, was, I was asked to preach, and I don't mean for this to be a, a lengthy story, but I was asking, and I was pondering on, on what to preach on. And I thought, I thought, well, my entire life, I've sat where you sit. My entire life. I've sat right there. I've sat in most of those seats. And I thought, I've sat up here. And I started thinking about all the men of God that I've heard preach the word here. Everybody. From my pastor, from, from, from Brother Mike. I mean, from, from everybody, from people that's been here over revivals. I started going through all the people that I have sat where you sat and heard give the, preach the Word of God. And I got down on myself. And I said, Addison, you can't do that. There's no way. It's impo- I, I told God, I said, it's impossible. There is no way I can get up there and even hold a candle to what I've sat right there where you sat and heard my whole life. I told God it was impossible. I was being honest with you tonight. I struggled. I, I struggled. And I had, a, I had a good friend, Jared, you all know him. <laughs> had a good friend who gave me a commentary. He said, brother, I just I felt led to give this to you. And I've been... I've been getting up early in the morning, or I've been trying to most mornings. I've been trying to teach myself, train myself to be an early riser. Good. It's been harder than you think, but, but it's tough. It's tough. But, I, but, I, but I've, been, I've been, getting, I've been uh, studying God's Word, and uh, I just have to beat Cora before she gets up because then it gets a little hectic. But I'm sitting there, and I'm saying, Addison, there's no way. And, and I'm fighting, and I'm saying, God, this is just this is impossible. There's no way I can get up there and do what I've seen done my entire life. And the commentary that he gave me, uh, I was in a point where I was, I was starting a new study, and it began in Luke. Just it was completely a God thing. And so I started going through Luke here and, and studying this, and it immediately talked about doubting God. And I thought, who am I to start telling God what's impossible and what's not? God said, God, God, I mean, it was like he slapped me across the face. He said, you just do what I told you to do. Simple. He said, you just do it. And here's what I come to find out. And, and, And I know the preachers we've had, they have more education they have more experience. They have more ability than I do. But we all have God. Amen. Amen. And I started thinking, I started thinking, how am I, you know, God, I just, and, and I, I'm, I kid you not, that very next morning, he led me to this, this passage. And I said, that's it. And here's really what it boils down to. It is impossible if I put my faith in me. That's right. Yeah. 
If I put my faith in myself, it is impossible. I, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. And so I wrestled with that and I said, okay, God, all right. And here I sit tonight. And I think, man, I wonder if you have something in your life tonight that you're telling God is impossible. You're saying, I just don't know. I'm telling you, if you put your faith in yourself, it'll never happen. But if you turn it over to God, if you turn it over to God, God will bless that. He'll honor that. I could not have gotten up here tonight unless I turned it over to God. I just couldn't have done it. I could have got up here. I maybe I could have come up with something. But but this is I really genuinely believe, and I know, like I said, we're on a Wednesday night crowd. But I think somebody tonight needs to just turn something over to God. I don't know what it is. I don't have a clue. But I know God did that for me. And so tonight I wonder, I don't know what the, what the circumstance is, but maybe it's a, a lost family member or a lost coworker, and, and you're just thinking, you know what? It's impossible. That person will never come to Christ. Man, I've seen the things they've done. I've heard about them. I mean, they, 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 they've done some bad things. And you say, it's impossible. That person will never come to Christ. So what do we do? We just, we just act defeated. We give up. Turn it over to God. Amen. Stop saying it's impossible. Stop saying it's impossible. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's that sin. Maybe it's that sin in your life that you just say, you know what? I can't, I can never overcome it. It's impossible. You, you, you think it's impossible, so you just keep partaking in it. You say, you know what? I, I can't overcome it. I'm just going to keep on, keep on. You got to turn it over to God. You have to stop, you, you have to stop saying, man, that's impossible. Turn it over to God. Maybe it's your salvation. Maybe tonight, I, I'll, I'll never forget it. I thought, I wrestled with my salvation and my doubt for a, long, for a little while. And, and I thought, man, I'm, and, and this is not the proper order. But I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm teaching Sunday school. I'm on committees. What's people going to say? If I go up there and say, hey, I don't have a, I don't, I don't know tonight if I were to die, if I would go to heaven or hell. But here I am, I'm teaching, I'm serving in the church. And I thought, I can't go forward. People will be looking at me and judging me. Maybe it's your salvation tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you think, you know what, it's impossible for me to have a relationship with the Lord because of the things I've done in my life, because of my past. Turn it over to God. Just turn it over. Maybe you're here tonight 
and you think it's impossible for you to forgive someone, I could have preached a whole sermon on that. Maybe you think it's impossible for you to forgive. Maybe there's someone in this room tonight you need to forgive. You say it's impossible. You don't know, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how far they've gone. It's impossible. I'll never forgive them. They may never forgive you, but you need to turn it over to God. Stop saying it's impossible and turn it over to God. That's what I had to do. Like Zacharias, as I said, it is impossible if I put my faith in me. So where's your faith tonight? Are you putting your faith in your capabilities? When you go to work tomorrow, are you putting all your faith in, in the things that your daily and, and, and job tasks that you can perform and how well you can perform? Or are you going to turn it over to God? I got one verse and I'm going to close with this. Jeremiah 32, 17. This is what it says. We're not going, you don't have to turn there, but it says, There is nothing too hard for the Lord in that verse. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. That means no matter how hard I think being a parent is, and trust me, mine, mine hasn't hit terrible twos yet, but no matter how hard I think being a godly parent is, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. No matter how hard I think it is to be a godly example in such a corrupt and filthy world, if I have the Lord doing it with me, nothing's too hard. Nothing is too hard for the Lord.